24. Matthew 24. Susie, it's good to see you. Susie is our oldest member, our, the one I love to look at, and um, she's 94 and she's here. Cold, rain, wind, storm, hail, Susie's here. Matthew 24, we're going to start reading in verse 3, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this, <coughs> later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Go ahead and tell somebody, are you ready? As we prepare to watch our first video. Go ahead and have a seat.
you think it's a coincidence? The Danish philosopher Kierkegaard tells a story of a theater where there was a variety show taking place, and each show that came on stage was more better, more fantastic than the last, and every single one of these acts were applauded by the audience. In between these acts, the manager came out, and he apologizes for the interruption, but he says, the theater is on fire. You need to leave in an orderly fashion. But the audience thinks that he's just joking. And so they applaud him. And the manager again tells them, we need to leave. The building is burning. And again, the audience just applaud. Yeah! And so what he does is he leaves the building. And the fire collapsed the whole building and the whole fun-loving audience with it. And so, Kierkegaard says, will be our generation. That we are going to go down in a fiery destruction to the applause of a crowded house and cheering spectators. See, every generation wants to know when Jesus is coming back. When will the end be? There are millions of forecasters making millions and millions of dollars trying to foretell the future. There's even Christian prophets who try and read the signs of the times. The day the Lord will come is not available for anyone to know. But I want to let you know something. The end is coming. Maybe sooner than you think. Maybe today. Maybe tomorrow. Hopefully, you'll be ready. Because we're supposed to be ready every minute, every second, every hour, every day. Harold Camping from Family Radio here, on, here in Oakland has made a prophecy that Jesus is coming back this Saturday. Some of you have seen the billboards. Judgment Day. How many of you have seen the billboards? Oh, okay. May 21st, Judgment Day. And it's supposed to happen around 6 o'clock. So, I would guarantee this is the place to be at 6 o'clock on Saturday in church. Okay? You want to you go with all your, all your family? Let's go. Be here at 6 o'clock on Saturday. But you know, as I was reading up into this on the internet, I have found that there were people from all over the United States who have sold everything and have gone around the country with the message that Jesus is coming back this Saturday. I read of couples, couples who emptied their bank accounts, some who have quit work just so that they could get the message out. There was a woman who bought billboards and bus stop signs and they were doing an interview with her and she says I, I got to get the message out I got to tell him that Jesus is coming on Saturday so uh, as I said if the Lord doesn't come on Saturday this is where you need to be on Saturday at six o'clock and then if he doesn't come back Sunday morning and again on Sunday night but he may come tomorrow 
Because Jesus said that we need to be prepared to meet him every day. The Bible gives us signs to warn us of when the end times are coming. We're not told when the end is going to come, but God wants us to know that the time is getting close. In ancient Israel, every city had a watchtower. And they would send up into the watchtower a watchman who would keep an eye on the horizon. And that's all he did was just constantly look at the horizon. And his job was to notice if there was any dust that was happening in the horizon. Because if there was any dust, then that means that there could be an army coming. And he needed to be able to let the city officials know that they needed to prepare because they didn't know who that was. It could be a friend, it could be a foe, but it, they prepared anyway. If they were not on their job, they would put not only their life in danger, but the whole city that they were supposed to be watching out for. In the same way, I'm looking out on the horizon and I see possible danger approaching. And I want to tell you, the end is coming. I want to give you a warning. Because the Bible says that earth will experience birth pains. Every woman who has ever delivered a child, you know when you're near the end. First of all, you know you're in your ninth month. But you don't know, once you approach your ninth month, you have no idea when those pains are going to start. You could just be sitting down, having dinner. Uh, there's the pain. You could be going out to the show. Your water breaks. You could do all kinds. You just don't know when that, those contractions are going to start. They surprise you. You're not prepared for them. They just come. And you cannot plan when they're going to come. You can't say, okay, today's the day. That's it. Today's the day. And this is how the signs of the end times are. We can see it. We can even feel it. But we still don't know when Jesus is coming back. These signs are to motivate us to get the gospel out to everyone that we can knowing that we don't have very much time left. So what are the signs that we need to be aware of for Jesus' return? We're going to go through the scriptures that we just read in Matthew 24. The first thing that we need to look out for is found in verse 5. And the first thing is false prophets. Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, they will deceive many. Also, he says it again in verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. <coughs> there have been so many people in the past who have claimed to be God. Charlie Manson, Jim Jones, the Raelian Church. That's a UFO church, in case you didn't know. Uh, David Koresh and the Branch Davidian, the Church of Scientology, the Unification Church. All kinds of people proclaim to be God. There is a church, I'm not sure how many of you have ever heard of this, there is a church in Florida where the pastor says he is God. His name is Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda. He's Puerto Rican. 
He's got a tattoo of 666 on his forearm. He was a heroin addict. And he has people pray to him. In fact, they don't call him pastor. They call him daddy. Followers of the movement say that they have proof that he is divine and that their church will one day be the major faith in the world. He says, the Jesus says that he learned he was Jesus reincarnate when he was visited in a dream by angels. He said, the prophets, they spoke about me. It took me time to learn, but I am what they were expecting. I have been expected for over 2,000 years. It is happening today. People are getting confused with false prophets end times. Secondly, wars. Verse 6 says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. That's in verse 6. Wars. We have wars that seem to be breaking out constantly. The Middle East is constantly at war. You have Syria, Yemen, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Israel, Pakistan. All of them are in a war right now. Turn on any news station at any time and they will show you footage of what is going on over there. There's crimes against humanity as soldiers are opening fire on civilians who are protesting against their government. You see children that are being killed in the streets. Matthew 24, 7 says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Do you know that Israel is preparing to launch a warhead that will eliminate ballistic missiles in outer space? All those countries over there are working hard to develop weapons of mass destruction before the other one does. Iran and Iraq are threatening to annihilate Israel. The president of Iran, Ahmadinejad, said Israel should be eliminated from the pages of history. A Middle East war is coming. It's coming because much of the tension is over Israel. The next thing that the other sign is that famines. Number three, famines. 24-7 of Matthew says, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. There is going to be a famine in our land. We have farms in the Midwest right now who have suffered either because of tornadoes or because of the Mississippi River. They made a decision day before yesterday to open up the canal and flood the farms instead of letting it flood the cities. We may not feel it right now, but give it another month. We're going to feel it. Two more months, we're going to feel it, and it's going to affect all the food that we buy. We're going to go into a famine. It's going to affect our food supply. Africa has exchanged their food crops to grow the poppy seed of heroin. Africa supplies over 25% of the world's drugs. You and I know that people are starving. Children are starving but they got the drugs. 
I watched a program where there were families, father, mother, children, sitting around in a circle, smoking heroin to kill the hunger pangs. Children as young as two and three and four couldn't smoke, but the father inhaled and blew it in their face. And within a minute or two, they would go to sleep. Every time that child would cry, he'd blow heroin in their face. We've got famines going on in the land. Number four, we have earthquakes. The same scripture of 24, 7 and 8 says there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. You know, I, I, I did a whole lot of research and man, it just like I'm so overwhelmed with everything that is going on. I learned so much because the average earthquake magnitude from six, we all know what it is to have a six to a 6.9. Everything that, that took place between a 6 and a 6.9 in the last 20 years, there was 134 earthquakes in the last 20 years between a 6 and a 6.9. Last year, 2010, we had 153 earthquakes between a 6 and a 6.9. That is one every three days in 2010. This year, we're only in May. This year, we have had a 6.0 or more every other day since we began 2011. Seismologists are speculating that next year, we're gonna have one earthquake every day. They're happening everywhere. The earth is shifting. The end times are here. Number five, we're going to have tribulations. Matthew 24, 8 through 12 says, But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. We live in a country where we are free to express our worship. We are free to throw up our hands. We are free to sing as loud as we want. We are free to jump around. We are free in this country to worship. But there are countries all over the world who have no idea what that freedom feels like. We close up when we suffer a little bit of dislike or mockery or maybe even some discrimination at work or at school for our faith. We're like, you know, you can't be putting that up. You can't be playing your Christian music. And then all of a sudden, you just shut the door and you're like, okay, can't do it. 
But there are countries where they still put Christians in jail and they even kill them. Christians in China, Indonesia, Korea, Russia suffer for their faith. They are persecuted and have even died today for their faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of us would suffer for our faith. I mean, we think we're suffering because they tell us, you can't play your Christian music. Oh, you can't wear that Christian t-shirt. Oh, you can't, you know, sing Christian songs. Oh, you can't have that Christian emblem. And we think we're getting persecuted. We think that, oh, everybody is talking about me. Would you be willing to die for your faith? See, we're in a time in this world where we need to prepare for Christ's return. But unfortunately, our generation is proud. We're lazy. And we're selfish. If I could have the Spanish turn down their volume, I would appreciate it. The world is getting worse. And the problem is, we want to be entertained. We can't come to church because we got things to do. I got, I got to do my wash. I got to wash my car. I got to go to a football game. I got to go to a baseball game. I got to do this and I got to do that. I don't have time to go worship. I got to catch up on my sleep because I stayed up too late last night. Just like the contractions of a woman who is going to give birth, the pain will intensify as we get closer to the end times. This is how the world's tribulation is going to be. Number six, the gospel will be preached throughout the world. In Matthew 24, 14, it says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Now we're able to see things around the world live that were only possibilities 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. When I was in school, they talked about a computer. Do you know how big the computer was? <laughs> I won't date myself, but the computer was bigger than this whole thing. It was huge. Now, I mean, you've got, you've got computers that are smaller than this. You've got iPads. They're like this little and they're this big. And they're computers. But back then, I mean, they, they took up a whole half of your room. Who would have ever thought that we would be able to See things live. You know, the president and his staff were able to watch the whole scene of the Navy SEALs going into Osama bin Laden's place as it was happening. They saw it all. We're able to talk to others across the world at any given moment. We can call Russia. We can call the Philippines. We can call Indonesia. We can call China. The gospel is being taken to the world on TV, through radio, through books, and through the Bible. Amen. 
We have programs and the Bible translated for each language in every country. All these prophecies are happening now. So what will we be able to see in the end times? Number one, we're going to see godlessness. Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to read along with me. Godlessness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, when you got it, say amen. We're going to start reading in verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. Ooh, is that happening? Hmm. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. You heard Lady Gaga's latest song? Scoffing at God. Her latest song is on Judas, how she wants to be with Judas. Scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents. Disobedient to their parents. Oh, my gosh. You won't ask if that's happening. I know it's happening. And ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. If you're sitting here today with an unforgiving heart, that's a spirit of godlessness. They will slander others. Ooh, gossipers. Mm-mm-mm. And have no self-control. I can't help it. I got to tell somebody. I know something. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. Is this happening? Yep. They will be reckless. They would be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. Ooh, we got some actors in this room today. They will act religious. You know all the songs. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. You know who's in this little section of women who are following new teachings? Anybody who's an Oprah follower? That's you. That's you. You go with anything Oprah says, whatever Oprah endorses, there you are. Got to buy it, got to see it, got to read it. The Bible says in another version, silly women. Calls you silly women. Because women are the ones that follow everything. I mean, you know, we're just like, oh, that sounds good. Oh, this, oh, this is better. Oh, this one is better. And you have all these women, four o'clock, there they are, watching Oprah. I'm not here to condemn you, because I truly have been set free, not from Oprah, 
from soap operas. 25 years ago, I got delivered from being a soap opera addict. Anybody who is in this room who, was a soap, who is a soap opera addict, you got to let it go because you're a silly woman. I was a silly woman. And I'm not talking just about English. I'm talking about novelas too. <laughs> Some of you say, oh, I, I, I don't watch all my children and, and One Life to Live and General Hospital, but oh, I have to watch my novela. If you're watching novelas, you're a silly woman. You need to let it go. Because we are this generation. We love ourselves and we love our money. We're proud and boastful. We laugh at God. We're disobedient to our parents. We're ungrateful, unloving, unforgiving, gossipers, slanderers. Everything in this section the Bible says this is what's going to happen in the end times. Is it happening? Yes. It's happening. We see all of this and we see more. We're experiencing an all-out onslaught of sin today. I watched <coughs> excuse me, a program the other day. I had to go down to Los Angeles and I watched it with my daughter-in-law. Um, I had to go to some meetings. So at night, we're... Kids were down, we're watching TV. And I saw this documentary that uh, Chaz Bono, Sonny and Cher's daughter, did. And this program was uh, showing how she underwent her sex change surgery. So now she is officially a man. And now she's gotten notoriety. I mean, she is like on every talk show. She's on the news. She's on everything. And I, I happened to be watching the news, and that's how I found her. I was watching a CNN, and they did a documentary on her. And, you know, it was really something because it just was, it was making me sick because of the fact that society not only accepts it, but they embrace it. This is a mockery to God. Because this is telling God, you made a mistake. You made a mistake. I'm not a girl, I'm a man. This is mocking God. And this is part of what's happening in our culture today. It's not only bad, but it's getting worse. The second thing that we see besides godlessness is we see apostasy. And apostasy is a big word for walking away from serving God. That's what that word means, walking away from serving God. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. They will say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. There are people today that try to go around the word of God by saying there's many ways to God. I have heard People of influence say there's many ways to God. There are actors and actresses 
today who will give millions of dollars to the people in Haiti and the people in Spain and, the, and, and all of the people in Africa and Darfur and all of those places. And they think that being a philanthropist or being someone who gives money that they'll be able to get into heaven. Because I'm, I'm a good person. Look at what I've done. If Bill Gates does not accept the Lord, all the things that he has done for education will be for nothing. There are people who want to be able to say there's a lot of different ways. I'm a nice person. And if I'm a nice person, God's going to be nice to me. That's a deceptive spirit. It's deceiving. Believing that if you're a good person and I don't do anything wrong, I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't cheat. Good people go to heaven. Show me where it says good people go to heaven. There is no scripture in the Bible that says good people go to heaven. If people do not accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior and walk in his ways, you're not going. Those aren't my stipulations. Those are his. You have to accept Jesus Christ. You cannot say I'm a good person. I'll get there. I gave somebody a ride. I'm a good person. I loaned somebody $3 and I'm haunting them because they owe it back to me, but I'm a good person. See, there are churches today that don't want to state that sin is sin. They want to embrace everybody. The homosexual and the sexually immoral. They pride themselves as being tolerant. They are what the churches call open and affirming. We open our doors to you and we affirm you. And so then we have couples who believe that living together, whether you're gay or whether you're straight, is okay. We are not an open and affirming church. We are a Bible-thumping, Bible-believing, Bible-speaking, truthful-to-the-gospel church. We're not going to change it to be open and affirming. Would this place be packed out with a lot of other people? Yeah, it would. But then I'd have to preach the same way. And then they'd leave. <laughs> we can't compromise our faith and get involved in fortune telling and reading horoscopes and going to seances and believing in reincarnation or anything else that does not exalt Jesus. We cannot compromise God's truth so that we can be nice. I'm sorry. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation. Now we're going to get down to some real nitty-gritty. Revelations chapter 13. And we're going to read that Revelations is the last book in the Bible. Revelations chapter 13. And we're going to read verse 16 and 17. And it says this, He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, 
to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his image, representing his name. On May 10th of last year, three members of a family in Florida became the first people to receive the biochip implant. It is called a Verachip, a small radio transmitter about the size of a piece of rice that will go under a person's skin. They have done statistics and findings and studies that the right hand and the forehead are the only two places where this Verachip will be able to go because the temperature of the right hand and the forehead are the only two where this Verachip will work. Won't work in the left hand, won't work in the leg. It'll only work on the right hand and the forehead. And the Bible already said that. What this chip does is it transmits a unique personal identification number that whenever it's in within a few feet of a special receiver unit, that Verachip will say who you are and where you are. It is called a radio frequency identification device, which is an RFID. And the way that they are marketing it is that it can be used for security, it can be used for emergencies, and it can be used for health care. Now, the reason that I say that is because I have a dog. My dog has a chip. I don't want to lose my dog. So he has a chip in it, in him. But he's an animal. He's not a person. There are extremely wealthy people in Europe, in Switzerland, who have had this chip put into their children because they don't want anybody kidnapping their children for ransom. And so this is the way that they can identify where their children are at all times. Husbands and wives, very wealthy people, have put the chip inside of them. They've done this for emergencies because sometimes you have an accident and you don't have any ID on you. And if you have the chip, they can identify you. You won't be a John Doe or a Jane Doe anymore. They'll know who you are. They've also said that this chip is for healthcare applications because sometimes there are older people who get sick. And when they get sick, the emergency technicians come and they can't tell what medication they're on. They can't tell what medication they're supposed to receive. And so this chip will be able to tell them who they are and what medication they're on. And this is how they're marketing it. Now, is this biochip the mark of the beast that is used in the Antichrist? I'm not going to say it is or it isn't, but I will tell you this. It is significant because there's a lot of people who are actually thinking about putting it in to their bodies. There are so many millions of people today 
who have lost their identification. Somebody stole it. And they have bought houses and bought cars and, and abused of the credit system and gotten credit cards in somebody else's name. And some of you are here, some of you know somebody who has experienced this kind of horrible, horrible crises in their life. Where, you know, they, they try to go and they try to get a credit card and they said, you know, you already have one. No, I don't. Yes, you do. And it's already 30000 People have taken other people's identity. And the reason that this chip is going to become so desirous for people is that we won't have to use money anymore. We won't have to carry an ID around anymore. We won't have to use a credit card anymore. Just show the chip. Put it underneath this laser and show the chip. That chip will say how much money I got in the bank. That chip will say who I am. Nobody but nobody will be able to impersonate me. That's how the deceiving spirit is going to come. I learned something in studying for this message. There was an agreement made between Canada and Mexico and the United States to start using the same type of money. It's called the Amerigo. And I'm, I'm going to have them get ready to show this to you because I had never heard of this before. It was shocking to me, and I hope it's shocking to you. Go ahead and show it. Representatives of the United States, Canada, and Mexico preparing for a summer meeting to further the goals of the Security and Prosperity Partnership of North America, the SPP, which many consider to be simply a blueprint for the North American Union, would weaken U.S. laws and regulations and diminish American sovereignty. Kitty Pilgrim has our report. President Bush, former Mexican President Vicente Fox, and former Canadian Prime Minister Paul Martin conceived the Security and Prosperity Partnership between the three countries in 2005. A summit is scheduled in Canada later this summer to flesh out more details, but current information on any agreements is scarce. The Security and Prosperity Partnership will deliver neither security nor prosperity for the simple reason that it's not so far been democratic. Most of the discussions have been taking place behind closed doors. Now, new documents have come to light about how U.S. taxpayers may end up footing the bill. Watchdog group Judicial Watch dug up documents through the Freedom of Information Act. It's a financial work plan that describes how U.S. taxpayers would fund grants to Mexico. The work plan states the establishment of a grant fund for development with U.S. and Canadian resources to finance the development of physical infrastructure in Mexico. I don't like the idea of taxpayer money uh, being spent on dubious government enterprises. And I certainly don't like the idea of taxpayer money being spent to build up Mexico's uh, physical infrastructure. Uh, Mexico has plenty of inherent wealth as a result of its oil and as a result of the $20 billion or so a year uh, that uh, Mexican illegals here send uh, uh, through to Mexico. The group says the 10-page work plan for financial services was filed somewhat incongruously among health and human service records. 
U.S. taxpayers would not be alone. Canadian funds would also be committed to the project. Now, Judicial Watch is calling for complete transparency and disclosure on this. They say public and legislative oversight of the details of the SPP is cursory, and Judicial Watch is questioning how taxpayer money can be so lightly promised to other countries, Lou. Well, there are a lot of questions, and the fact is Judicial Watch is to be congratulated for uh, its diligence in digging this, uh, this, these new documents up. Uh, and I really want to hear from the snarky little left-wing uh, who deny that there's such a thing as the uh, SPP and the plans of part of this administration, uh, that of the uh, Mexican government and the Canadian government to go ahead with the North American Union. Uh, because I think the snarky little darlings are about to uh, awaken to the, uh, the error of their ways. There's documentation. Uh, it's unbelievable uh, that these, and it's primarily left-wing uh, activists who are denying what is happening with the elites of corporate America, uh, academia, uh, and of course our, our political elites as well, all indifferent to the needs and desires of the American people. Keep up the good work, Kitty. Thank you. Kitty Pilgrim. Now I know that that may have been a little difficult to totally understand, but let me see if I could break it down for you. There is this... Um, union that was established in 2005 between America, Canada, and Mexico. And they do not want any more borders. They want to have one huge country. In doing that, they are doing the same thing in Africa. They are doing the same thing in Asia. When we do it, they have already printed up money. It's called Amerigo, that they will be able to use. If we go to Canada, we can use that money. If we go to Mexico, we can use that money. It will be used on both of our borders. So now we've become one continent. Not Canada separate, US separate, in Mexico. You, you, if you really want to look this up, you're, I, I would encourage you to do it because it's, it's extremely fascinating to see what is happening and we have no idea. It was like shocking to me and I watch the news all the time. But this kind of like went in, they talked about it and then it was squashed. It's not talked about anymore. It's not even spoken of anymore. That's why they, the Supreme Court, they, uh, the state of Arizona is taking their border uh, bill to the Supreme Court, and that's why the U.S. government is coming against Arizona, because they don't want the border. They don't want to see something established where in, let's say, two or three or four years, the borders are going to be gone. We're going to be using one type of money. They're already using one money in Europe. It's called the euro. They, they, before, when I went to Holland, we used the guilder. When I went to France, we used the franc. When I, when I went to England, we used the pound. When I went to Ireland, we used the, I forgot. And then when you went to, uh, uh, you know, any country over there, they all had their own money. And now, it's all one money. 
It's all one money, and that's what they wanted to hear. One money. Our economic system, we have the illusion that it's stable. We have the illusion that it's in order. We think that our economic stability in our country will never collapse, but it's very fragile. If you watch the news at all, you're able to see that our own nation is so much in debt, over 14 trillion. It's even hard to fathom how deep in debt we are. And you know what it is, is that, see, we're all connected because we've lent money to third world countries and third world countries are not paying us back. And so we're winding up borrowing more money because they're not paying us. So we're like, okay, well, we need this and, and we're trying to get money from them. And the problem is, is that our banking system is ready to collapse. By the year 2025, our interest alone on the national debt will be so far beyond our capability to ever repay, ever repay, which means that no matter how much money we make, we'll never be able to pay the debt off. It doesn't even count the regular spending on defense or on Social Security. The interest on the debt alone will be greater than any of our income, which means that in order to pay off our debt, we will need 100% inflation on everything that we have right now, times at 100%, that's the only way we're gonna get out of debt. Those of you who are in your 30s, say goodbye to Social Security, because it's not gonna be there when you get there. They don't even think it's gonna, uh, there's enough funds right now to last till 2030. So by the time you hit 65, won't be there. They may give you a paper, but it's gonna be worthless. The book of Revelation explains an, a world economic order. And this is where every individual's bank accounts and spending power is going to be under the control of one organization under one person's authority and under one international organization's control. Now, some of you are thinking, you know what, this just, this is bizarre. I've never heard of this before. Is it really gonna happen or are you just like making all this up? You think I'm making it up? We need to spend an afternoon together and I will take you through the truth. Major corporations are constantly talking about becoming a cashless society. AT&T, when it introduced its phone credit card system, was proud to announce that it was moving the future toward a cashless society. Computers already will tell you whether you can make a purchase with your credit card or not. If you have if you're over on your credit card or you're over on your debit card, you can't buy it. The, pow the power to buy and sell is coming under one central control computer system. Our government has said that they wanna stop printing paper and they wanna stop minting coins because of the high cost. There is a problem 
with counterfeiting, they say. So that means having a chip would be so much more easier. Wouldn't have to deal with counterfeit. Wouldn't have to deal with losing your license or your credit card. Businesses are going all out to eliminate waste and fraud, so they're going to get tighter and tighter controls over the use of credit card. Those of you who have gotten a new passport within the last three years, there's a chip in your passport. I don't know if you knew that. There's a chip in there already. It's a short step to becoming a number. What was really interesting to me is that I knew this a long time ago, but I really kind of forgot. In Belgium, there is a computer that is six city blocks by six city blocks. That's how huge that computer is. And it keeps track of the finances of, it has the capability of keeping track of all the finances of every individual on the face of the earth. This computer has a nickname that was given to it by the Belgium people. And they call it the beast. The technology's here already. All it takes is a reason to implement it. What's interesting is that this computer doesn't use traditional numbers. Every single one of our credit cards uses 14 to 16 numbers. We have four, 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 four. That's pretty much, that's pretty average. And it's most common. This computer uses 18 numbers, three sets of six. Six, six, six. Now, all of these technological advances are, they're not evil in themselves, but they become evil as people sacrifice their morality for economic security. Whenever we're going to not follow the Lord like we should because of our economic security, we're going to wind up in trouble. In Revelation, the beast is not a man, but it's a false god. It's an idol. The idol that defiles the world today is mammon, money. It represents our desire to trust material riches instead of God. That is the end times. Greed, our desire for money. How many people would sell out somebody for some money? They did this thing. I was watching this program the other day, The Mentalist, and he was trying to figure out who knew information. Because, you know, when an accident happens or something, all these people all gather around, and he goes into his pocket, and he pulls out, he goes, for $100, does anybody know anything about what happened here? And you had all these people raise up their hands. And then he goes, oh, I'm sorry, it's only a dollar. And all these people went. See, they would give up information for 100 but not for a dollar. What does that say about our society? 
So when John talks about the beast in Revelations, he says we're, we're going to be given a choice. A choice between our allegiance to a beast that gives us all the material possessions that we desire or our allegiance to Christ, where we're probably going to have to suffer and be denied all the necessities that we might need. Jesus said that persecution is going to come. And John says it's going to come within the mark of the beast and the system. The technology is here. It's here. All that waits is the reason to put the system into place. That's all we're waiting for. And this is my last scripture. I want you to open up to it. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This, to me, is the most frightening scripture in the entire Bible. This is the scariest scripture for me and for everyone else. Chapter 7, starting in verse 21. It says, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. This is the scariest scripture in the Bible. Because this has to do with those who are not real. You come to church, you raise your hands, you sing, you jump, you shout. You may not be performing miracles, you may not be prophesying, but you're helping here. You're doing security, you're doing ushering, you're doing children's church. You're involved somehow, some way. But when your time comes and you stand before the Lord, you're going to say, but Lord, I was an usher. But Lord, I, I was a greeter. But Lord, I, I helped in the journey lounge. I, I took care of kids. I, I sang for you. I ministered for you. I preached the gospel for you. I led people to the Lord for you. I did this. I did that. And he's going to say, let me see if your name is in this book of life. Mm. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. This is the last days. The Bible says that apostasy, a walking away from the faith, a walking away from serving God, going to happen and it is happening you and I both know people who have walked away from the faith these are the end times I chose to speak on this message I chose to take advantage to speak this message because of all of the things that you are seeing around the world because of all the things that are on the news because of the billboards that you're seeing. And for some of you, you're saying, oh my gosh, May 21st, I got to get everything in order. <laughs> Today's May 21st. 
Get it together. Bow your heads with me this morning. And as your heads are bowed, I need for you to do an inventory in your life right now. A serious inventory. Not a make-believe inventory. Not a I'm okay, you're okay inventory. Like, I'm a good person inventory. But the kind of inventory that if I were to tell you in half an hour, you're going to stand before your maker inventory. These are the end days. These are the end times. You need to know that you know that you know that you are ready to meet your maker. If you have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, you're not ready. If you're a slanderer, if you love money, if you're disobedient to your parents, if you're proud, if you're ungrateful, you're not ready. If you betrayed your friends, if you love pleasure rather than God, you're not ready. The Lord could come back today. You need to be ready. And if you're looking in that mirror right now, and there's something in your heart that says, you know what, I need to, I need to let this go. I need to let it go. And I want you to stand. I want to pray with you this morning. Anything, anything, anything that that mirror shows up. And I want to let you know I'm standing too. I want you to close your eyes and, and just raise your hand. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, you know my heart. You know who I am. My biggest fear is to stand before you and to hear those words, I never knew you. Lord, I want to be real today. I need for you to come. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me white as snow. Throw my sins in the deepest of oceans, never to be remembered. Help me to make it right with whoever I need to make it right with. I just want to be right with you, Lord. I want to be the witness that I need to be. I want to be able to wake up and tell you today's a good day to go home and really mean it from my heart because my life is right with you. Thank you, Lord, for changing my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand.